0: This is a Maybe You Like It production. To find more productions, including podcasts, radio plays, and stage plays, visit www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. This is just something I worked up. I'll
1: do it for you, Maybe You Like It, Maybe You Don't.
0: Hello, I'm Jake, and this is the Maybe You Like It podcast. The podcast where we take plays, films, and more that have never been staged before or are never likely to be staged again. And we talk about how we'd stage them. As always, I'm joined by Caleb. Hello, hello. And...
1: Hello? Jake? Hello? Jake, I think you... I think you've Jake? (sighs) Oh, man. I think he's he's dropped out of this zoom call that we're recording this podcast on. Ah, what am I going to how am I going to fill the time now that Jake's dropped out of this zoom call that we were recording our podcast on? I guess for the benefit of the listeners, I guess I could just, I don't know, just off the cuff run through the top 5 ideas we came up with on the podcast this year. I guess that's something I could do whilst I wait for Jake to rejoin the Zoom call that we're recording the podcast on. I guess, yeah, I guess since Jake's dropped out, he's dropped out of the Zoom call, we were recording a podcast, I guess whilst I'm waiting for him to return so we can record the rest of the podcast, I guess a thing I could do just randomly, just making it up as I go along, I guess I could just deliver to the listeners the my, you know, my choice of the top five fun ideas we came up with on the podcast in 2021. I guess that's something I could do. Anyway, so uh, at number five, we have a little snippet from our episode on the film Cloverfield, which we recorded with James Nash a uh, way back. This episode, we came up with a very fun idea of making what was a found footage film into a verbatim or a f- sort of false verbatim piece of theatre. Uh, very exciting fun ideas abound in this episode but one that i have held on to uh, for the rest of the year was a very sort of short conversation we had towards the end of the episode about having adam curtis come and play the role of the sort of curator slash narrator of the whole piece and so here is a little a snippet a little clip of that <laughs>
2: I, that was an interesting thing because I think coming into this, I was like, oh, yeah, there's definitely going to be some music in it. Mm. And I think I was thinking more in lines of like an Adam Curtis documentary, <laughs> as like the but that, that feels like slightly, but like maybe, maybe it would work of that kind of slightly more, slightly more ambient, yeah, slightly like, more dark, kind of moody, atmospheric music. Yeah, that's kind Do of what I was thinking. you think we can
1: get Adam Curtis to be the the guy who's like been the uh, been the curator of all of these government documents
2: i would love i would love more than anything (laughs) in the world to get to see like an adam curds film about like (laughs) but imagine it on stage yeah it's exactly there nobody thought the cloverfield monster would ever come to this city but that was a fantasy If that's the way we open this play, that would be amazing. I feel, I feel if, I feel if we did that, no, I I love it. I want it more than anything in my life. I feel, I feel that might be too fun. Yeah, you can take,
1: you you can take anything from it seriously after that, I don't think. Yeah. Wow. What a, what a beautiful memory that was that's that's what the harp noise represents. That's us entering a collective memory of podcasts gone by and and what a beautiful little moment we were able to experience together there. On to number four then. At number four we have something from a recent episode. This is us discussing the play Rossum's Universal Robots, which was brought to us by director Bobby Brooke. And in this little snippet it's us kind of getting to grips with what the play meant a hundred years ago when it was written and what it could mean now i'll I'll let Jake explain in in the clip
0: I guess the question we should ask ourselves in the, on this podcast right now is what does the play? What did the play say in 1920? And what yeah. yeah. What what do we want it to say now <laughs> and do we, do those, do those things match up? Caleb, I, I nominate Caleb. <laughs> Who wants to have a go? Uh, what at, did, what the did the play say, say in 1920? <laughs> mean, there's a few
1: things and the, I I would say actually my one criticism of the play really apart from like its datedness is that like it is at times unclear exactly what it's I think it's trying to get at because there's stuff through our central character, there's definitely stuff about capitalism and about workers and workers' rights and about this idea of, like, like, looking for, like, the perfect, you know, society being one in which people don't have to work because we find a way of, like, other things working for us. And uh, therefore, there's no there's no such thing as poverty and we can all live with, like, a certain amount of, like, public luxury, right? Which is an idea that I think is still, like, present. Well, it's probably more present today in a way Um, and, and it's definitely an interesting one. Um, but then obviously that doesn't work out because the robots revolt and it's like, so what's the, what does that mean? And I think part of it is about like the, the reason the robots revolt is because they become closer to human. Right. And the idea is, is sort of showing like, you know, the imperfection in the robots in the end ends up being their humanity. And, and I think part of it is this kind of like quite pessimistic reflection on like humanity as imperfect But within those imperfections, there is hope. And that's kind of like the love between the two robots at the end. That's vaguely, I think, some of the things it's trying to get at. But there's also like lots of other things that it kind of touches on. And there's definitely stuff about like challenging God and like testing him by creating something as advanced as this. And there's definitely stuff about, you know, questioning. Yeah, I guess questioning like how far we push technology and, and how much technology is you know how how much we can make it for us and and there is like a a, a, again this underlying sort of anti-capitalist thing about like in the end actually the reason the robots keep getting made is because they make profit not because they help lift people out of poverty um and and enjoy luxury so that's vaguely i think what it was getting at in 1920 but you can correct me if if i'm
0: wrong (laughs) no i think that's that's pretty much bang on yeah i think all of that i'm not gonna say anything else i agree I I think the thing I would add is it felt like what was created in the sort of conglomerate of men on the island was this sort of multi-face justification thing where you had this sort of quite clearly (laughs) morally bad thing that was, well, maybe not, but we can, we can talk about that. But, but this idea of like creating a, basically creating kind of a slave race on some level, And so like that, all those conversations and then, and what it felt like to me was that each of the men on the island had a different reason other than they all also had this love for this woman, but they, they, well, they all had a different justification in their heads for why they were doing what they were doing. So the, the guy you were saying is thinking about sort of utopian society, that's how he justifies it to himself one of the others is thinking about thinking about profit for one of them. It's just a job and it's what they have to do for one of them. It's the advancement of science and find, you know, just the advancement of human knowledge and, and, and stuff like that. And th- I found that very interesting as again, like a reflection on capitalism. And I was thinking actually a lot about like, like the climate crisis and about this idea that like, Oh yeah, we'd love to, you know, we'd love to be able to reach for this utopian society, but we have to go, we have to follow the profit on the path to that. And actually, not doing anything till it's too late because you don't see it as your responsibility because you live within this society that asks for money and money is the most important mm. thing before anything else and so everything can go wrong in the name of money um and i felt like there was a lot of that to reflect on and i know we're sort of starting to answer the second question now about like about modern themes but i because that because it was so long ago that it sort of struck me how much i was thinking about that
1: Incredibly exciting and exhilarating thoughts from Jake there on a Zoom call that he did manage to stay on. Because I, to remind you of the conceit of this particular thing that you're listening to right now, the idea is Jake has dropped out of the Zoom call of the podcast we're recording. And so I am off the cuff just giving you uh, my top five of some of the ideas that we had on the podcast this year. And there's, but also it's a, it's a shared collective sort of memory that we're enjoying together, which is why there's a harp noise either side of each clip. Anyway, so that brings us to number three. And at number three, we have the brilliant but completely impractical idea that we had with Matt Hassel on our episode about the others. This is the five-way mirror between (laughs) different dimensions. (laughs) To catch up to speed, on this episode we were looking at this creepy haunted house and the idea was it was going to be a piece of gamified theatre in which multiple audiences were going to be walking through a haunted house and haunting each other without realising it. Uh, But in this clip, we kind of pushed that idea to the absolute possible Impossible Limits. Take a listen. Is there a way maybe we could hide from the audience the fact that there is another audience? And so things are happening to them and they're like, hold on, but I thought I was doing these things, but these things are happening to me. And and there's this sense of like, oh, this is really strange that, you know, I, I thought this objective was maybe even the objectives don't seem like they would be haunting someone. Um, and, and it's only at the end we find a way to make both audiences see each other and experience the fact that they've both been haunting each other. So maybe they've not known there's a second audience. And so there is doubt there about why am I doing these things? What impact are they having? And then why am I seeing things that have been done
3: seemingly by someone else? That feels really That kind of stuff feels really exciting to me. I also think the part of me just goes. I just want to run around a big house, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and actually, that that uh, it doesn't like. To what degree does the um, sort of the logic come into play? Because I, I I love the idea that you don't like you don't know there are other people in the in their building with you. That feels really exciting, and then there becomes a point where that you know that the two have to coexist. I think it would feel like a really. A really exciting thing and would really play into that sense of like you you just don't um that you don't know what else is happening around you feels i think yeah really exciting
0: yeah i've just i've just had this image of, of that two-way mirror thing you just mentioned caleb and we find some way that isn't to do with the mirror of drawing drawing both sides of a wall both sides of an audience towards that mirror and then suddenly the mirror kind of b- becomes visible as a window to both parties at the same time, yeah. when you didn't even know there was anyone else before, I've always had, ooh, that, just had that image in my head. It's really that's I really I think like that would this, be fascinating.
1: It? And if you made that a centerpiece of the house, is this huge wall-length mirror on two sides of a wall? Um, uh, it's something that you would inevitably notice each time you go around the house. I'm thinking you're in sort of half the house at a time and locked doors prevent you and then each time you go around you cycle round mm. you'd notice that and then to use that as the way of seeing uh yeah beyond your realm into the next is yeah I think that that could be almost terrifying that moment of revelation that would be crazy
3: yeah i like that are you then as the audience the new recruits of staff in the house and that's why and you're working the 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 performers that you spend the time with are the people who who uh own the house in their version of it um and they're inducting you into the house and these things start happening in their house while you're working there so therefore you can be you can be voyeurs to a seance that's happening you can be involved in things like um taking the curtains down and um, uh, you know locking rooms and doors but you're not you're not the you're not control. you're sort of I guess it's hierarchical that the the yeah. the, 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 the the company the acting company are the the, the house owners the house um, the people yeah the people who own the house and that you are you are under their authority um, and that maybe then there are plants within the audience who are also part of the acting company who are the Miss, Mrs. Mills and Mr. Tuttle's kind of uh, and that 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 also st- pl- plays around with doubt throughout it, where suddenly you feel somebody who's in your group starts doing and controlling the action in a way that f- feels like, is this okay? Is it not okay? And w- that might be an interesting yeah. line to play with. It also means there's always control from within the group that's orchestrated, and you've also got very clear control um, in terms of the narr- following the narrative and the beats of the narrative by following Grace and the other family who would be on the, the other side, that maybe there's uh, some kind of logic in that. Yeah. It also feels like it speaks of a time when I mean even just that the idea of being in a house with servants and the idea of wealth and class and how all that plays into it and actually whether there's some really sort of interesting sub stuff to play around with and explore there in terms of like the kind of yeah what that what that means in terms of class and wealth.
1: Yeah, and I I kind of do think maybe there's uh maybe there's even a way that we we separate by a little bit more the time between in the, in the film, it kind of seems like there's maybe 10 years between um, like the others and the intruders. Uh Maybe there's a way that we separate it by maybe even like 25 or 30 years or maybe even 40 years kind of push that a bit. And so then you get this moment, the moment where they, the we reveal there's been two audiences the whole time. Maybe first of all, maybe you get the audience to like, dress in period costume but there's obviously two periods but maybe also that moment of revelation is like a moment of seeing that class impact that role that you have to play as a staff in a house rather than like a you know rich upper middle class person who owns this house how that happens through the ages and it keeps
3: happening and there's maybe there's something in, in that that we could bring out in the blue sky thinking version, where we don't have to worry about logic or anything, yeah, of that yeah. I love. That. I was like, maybe that in my head, I was like, maybe there's like five different groups of people, and they're all from yeah, yeah. different points in time, and it just it all works. It all works. We have Re- a
1: five way mirror; they're all seeing each other. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, we use seven a- different dimensions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: a, um, I think actually relinquish the shackles of logic and just go, yeah, God, that would be, um, and there's full costuming when the audience arrives, so they're yeah. they're, they're measured and fitted into. It their era of
4: costume
1: <laughs> now I'm not a gambling man but I, I would be willing to bet that that harp noise has become quite grating by this point in the episode some wonderful ideas with Matt Hassel there a five-way mirror completely impossible yet something I am convinced must be realized at some point in my lifetime we'll see we move now into the top two of this top five countdown of ideas we had on the podcast in 2021, it's it's a pretty loose theme, if I'm honest, um, and and I want to be clear at this point. I can I can already feel the tension growing as we approach the the top spot for the year. Uh, I want to be crystal clear. These are just five ideas I remember us having on the podcast this year, and we we had a, a week to fill here uh, before the Christmas special um and obviously Jake dropped out this Zoom call which is definitely real uh so these are just five ideas uh and i say that because as we go into the the second place the silver medal of of these top 5 ideas uh we return to uh Spooktoberfest our mini series running through october looking at four spooky movies and and how to stage those this particular one comes from our episode with barney newman on the disney channel original halloween town what you're about to hear are three people coming to the realization that they have created something that that transcends theater as we know it i'll let you listen
0: And yeah, do we have this on sort of like all of October, like a yearly October event it's October first yeah. Halloween I think Halloween moves around every year to a different random location now oh a different location
4: nobody oh, yeah, tells you where it's going to be like a different month no that's not Halloween month. oh like um, like no, the it's not like
3: Halloween the far away tree it, like, yeah like sort the far away tree it just goes to a different random place it, it that's region. fun
1: and it would be fun in the sort of student way like like how like club nights move around and stuff yeah you, can do it you can just go around and you just go to student oh, towns did and. did like, you hear Halloween towns coming to yeah, Bristol
0: yeah yeah. <laughs> what have we made here <laughs>
1: hold on oh, a, a minute what what have we made something a little bit
0: different. what is the what is the what is the crying area in the adult version is it like a like if you get too drunk yeah St John's Alex. Alex. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> what have
2: we made <laughs> <laughs> well, we've made the sweetest club night ever but Please. we've not made it the today's show and we so did. how many
3: how many <laughs> we made a club night we made a
4: club we night. Just we made
3: club a club A club night in a warehouse <laughs>
4: <laughs> where loads of people like dress in prosthetics and you have
3: quests to
0: do. <laughs> I think that would be a fun. People club would
4: night. love it. It's like a skate room yeah, club yeah, night People would
0: absolutely love. That do we ask guests to come dressed in Halloween? Yes. Stuff? Yeah, yeah. 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 But like proper, like, like if they want to come in like prosthetic. Oh, if you want to stuff, sure, go for it?
1: Sure. And then people will think they're actors.
0: Yeah, and yeah. that would go very well. Yeah, you, like,
1: you can have people going around at the same time. Yeah, look, I'm I'm here for that. I oh man, this is. I mean, this, I don't think this is theater anymore. But it's something. It is. No, it is theater. It is. Though. It's theater and it's purest form Like you know what?
2: what you go
3: in. I know what you do. You're a director. You go into the. You go into your little theater and you look at the stage. Oh. Do you think that's where theater is. That's not where theater is. Theater is out in the world. That's where, that's where real theater is. <laughs> Well, what we've made here is site specific theatre, and the specific
1: site is Halloween Town. <laughs> yeah, man, you can't get away from it. Look, I am. Um, I, don't, I don't think there's anything left to say. I think this might be our shortest ever
3: episode.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think, but I think that's kind of perfect. <laughs> you have to struck gold
4: on that.
1: Struck gold indeed, Barney. What an idea. Halloween Town as a club night in which you solve quests and there's people dressed as horrific mythical creatures walking around. Truly inspired. I wanted to, I wanted to take this opportunity in the podcast before we get to the uh, number one slot to be upfront with you, the listener, to be entirely transparent with you because I haven't been up to this point. I wanted to tell you that I had an idea where I was going to have like Jake drop back into the Zoom call. I was going to take... Little clips from other podcasts of him saying something along the lines of like, uh, and the idea we have this week is, and then he would like drop out again. I was going to do that, and I was gonna, and I was gonna go, oh Jake, oh we were so close to recording this podcast on Zoom together. You know, returning to that original conceit of a Zoom call where he's dropped out, and I'm just, I'm just listing the top five ideas we had on the podcast. Um, and I really, I thought about doing that as an idea. And it got to the point where I would have to execute that idea. I'd have to do it. And I thought, I do not have the effort to do that. I I simply am not willing to put in the time and the effort to get that done. So I thought I'd be upfront with you. I thought I'd be completely transparent with you, the listener. Uh, That's the situation we're in as we move now into the top slot, the number one, numero uno. This is the definitive best idea on the podcast in the year 2021 coming with the caveat a reminder that these are just five ideas i remember us having on the podcast this year and they by no means actually reflect what were the best or worst ideas i mean can you even judge ideas can you can you compare one idea with another and say this one's better this one's worse i mean what even is an idea can you can you pinpoint a moment in a podcast where someone says a thing and you say that that right there is an idea is that something you can do i don't i don't think so i don't know i I'm not sure I am qualified to to, to, say, just to choose a thing that someone said and say that's an idea and that's the best idea on this podcast in this year. So with that caveat out the way, um, I, wa- I want to get into the best idea of, of the year, which comes from our episode on The Wicker Man, which was with Sam Webber and Nancy Netherwood from the Playground podcast. They came on and they brought this brilliant and really exciting and genuinely the the kind of theatre I'd love to make. They brought a site-specific version of The the Wicker Man at heritage sites around the country using community uh, engagement, community participation with local uh, amateur dramatic groups to bring to life the world of Summer Isle. Take a listen
0: so the first i basically before i even started re-watching it i think this needs to be like an outdoor immersive promenade show is my Mm. instinct i think by the end of this i got around to the idea that i think it should be the grounds of some kind of national trust house and you have like a big area and hopefully some kind of like woodland area and you do it as a kind of, yeah, like a kind of festival atmosphere where you'd have the actor musicians beforehand and you'd have different locations kind of around this festival ground. So that was my, I don't know how you guys feel about that. That was my kind of instant feeling
1: I'm massively on board for that I actually just at the weekend went for a walk around Mount Edgecombe which isn't actually I don't think it's necessarily National Trust but it's that kind Mm. of property and they've just got huge grounds and they even have in the grounds like a natural amphitheater as well and it's but these days it's only used for outdoor cinema and i'm like Mm -hmm. oh wow this is a massively missed opportunity so i think there's loads of locations like that and we've talked about recently on the podcast how these sort of heritage sites are are kind of seeking new ways of of getting tourists in especially after covid Mm. i think this is just so ripe for like using those locations and making the the most of those locations with something like this and i think Like you could even tour it around different places and and you could use each setting to kind of play with elements of the story. And like you were saying, Sam, you can be playful with different parts of this. You can throw in different jokes here and there. You can kind of change up what exactly is this production according to where you, you said it as well. So I think, yeah, there's definitely a lot of promise in doing this as a sort of promenade musical kind of thing. I love the idea <laughs> yeah. of
4: touring as well like can we change the gods that, um, that they're praying to and the accents they have depending on where we go like take it down to Cornwall and suddenly have Absolutely. a totally different very similar but totally different mm. rural
0: um mm. aesthetic well that's what I was going to say I was going to say that the the kind of heritage theatre sector as it stands right now it, it's really growing um we talked about this a few weeks ago but it, it it is in this place where people they'll build a show that is malleable and kind of it's almost like you put a new skin on it with a different mm. Sort of idea that you can not necessarily tour around, but take to different places because they're so expensive to set up. It it takes a while. You wouldn't want to do it a, new, a fresh every time. Mm. But I was going to say, what's important to these sites? Um, that way, what did you say, Mount Edgcum?
1: Mount Edgecombe, which is actually yeah. just in, just inside Cornwall, it's like overlooks oh, cool. the Plymouth Sound.
0: So Mount Edgcombe, uh I've just looked it up. is is owned by the government, actually. Oh um, right, so yeah. you <laughs> might might find it more <laughs> difficult there. But the, the all these kind of heritage sites. That, uh, what you'd want, what they'd want from you if you pitched to them something like this is okay, but how is it going to benefit our visitors? How is it, you know, how is it going to add to the experience? People who want to visit this place, and often that comes with education and, uh, and some kind of feeling of the area. And so, yes, if we could do some research into, you know, what exactly was the pagan history of this mm-hmm. particular place that we are, yeah. I think that'd be a really great way of doing that. Uh, because i'm thinking about you know setting setting up runes and wicker men in in their gardens um, <laughs> where, um, i think that'd be very I, fun. I think that'd be great
4: <laughs> okay well, I, was, I was just gonna say in terms of like heritage and and quote regional theater and all, and all this stuff i think you're, you're spot on in terms of um it's always asked how does this benefit what educational benefits are there and i think I've got two thoughts on that. One of which is I'm quite I'm sick and tired of funders asking, why is this relevant? What's the benefits? You know, why, why can't we just make something that's cool and good, like you can do in London? Why in every yes. other country does it have to be really relevant and, and condescending to people? On the other hand, I get really excited about the idea of, if we're, if we're doing this touring thing now, of going to different locations, of you have your main actors mm. but otherwise it's a community event there's loads of amateur groups across the country who are amazing yes. and one not go okay that. we'll send you all the masks in advance and the music you can come up with the ritual dances you can come up with these scenes you play the villagers basically and one that will sell your tickets mm-hmm. and two i think that i think that makes it relevant to local places from what local places mm. can bring rather than us just imposing it And there
1: you go. That is our top five ideas on the podcast in the year 2021. I I hope you got something out of returning to those. I certainly enjoyed our collective experience of going into a memory of, of moments recorded on audio waveform via the medium of this kind of harp sound effect I found online. And whilst I sit here and I wait for Jake to return to the Zoom call so we can finish recording this podcast. Anyway, that's a reminder of the sort of basic parameters, the structures I, you know, concocted, the sort of underlying conceit of this episode. Hopefully you got something out of it. Anyway, that's it. Uh, Next week we have our holiday special, something Christmassy, and uh, then it'll be a a couple weeks off before we return in 2022. I want to thank you all for listening this year, for downloading the podcast and giving it a listen. Please do tell your friends, tell anyone you think who might be vaguely interested in theatre or film or any of the things we sort of discuss uh, to give it a listen. We have a great back catalogue of, of stuff. Uh, we're approaching 50 episodes now, so go back and, and give some, anything a listen. It's uh, Genuinely, I'm, I'm very proud of some of the ideas we come up with because we get some really, really great guests. And I guess that brings me on to thanking the awesome range of guests we've had on the podcast this year. It's been so exciting to sit down on Zoom or or whatever it may be with some really brilliant creatives and to just discuss the craziest, wackiest, funniest ideas of what we could put on stage, and it yeah, it's been genuinely. I've had such a good time just being able to just flex some creative muscles together, uh, just then bring whatever kind of media, film, TV, uh, play, whatever it might be, and and for us to just go, how are we putting this on stage? And and just talking about that and doing an hour or so of just sort of digging into like, sometimes the nitty gritty of it, sometimes the big broad ideas of it, and sometimes it's stuff that you're like we could put this on next week if we had the the funding and the the rights and things like this and some of it you're like this will never happen but imagine if it did and it's been truly a joy to do that uh i was gonna say every week we managed about half the weeks this year but to do that when we have done that this year on the podcast um so thank you to our guests Uh, that that brings us to the end i've managed to hit the half hour mark so jake will be happy. I guess I, you know, if you've listened to this episode, I imagine you've heard the podcast before. But I'll run through the company socials. I won't worry about myself, Jake, and all of the many guests we've had on on this episode. Uh, it, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Maybe You Like It with the letter U. You can find us on Facebook at Maybe You Like It Productions with the word U. You can email us info at maybeyoulikeit.co.uk or go to our website maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. Please do uh, rate the podcast in app where you listen to it, it helps us get seen Um, and I I really, I think that is everything so maybe you liked it maybe you didn't I never get to say that. Thank you very much That was a Maybe You Like It production
0: Maybe you liked it Maybe you didn't.